Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. You passed your BCBA exam. That is amazing. Congratulations. But now what? You know, if I got a piece of paper, all of a sudden I would be, you know, valid and I could do all those things that I thought I couldn't do before. Um, and I think in reality, we all kind of have a bit of like imposter syndrome, no matter whether we have the paper or not. Um, and sometimes we have people who get that piece of paper and think that they know more than they really do. I think getting that piece of paper is really just the beginning of our journey and the beginning of learning and getting that piece of paper, at least I learned, didn't really change anything for me. I still had to learn and get experiences and continue to work as hard as I was working. There wasn't any kind of like revelation that came with that paper. Um, so it's really just the beginning of the journey. And so we're going to talk about some things that you need to start you on that journey as a BCBA. What uh, you mentioned, share about, you know, getting a piece of paper and, you know, thinking, you know, everything or, you know, just starting your journey. I'm still continuously learning. I mean, I've had that piece of paper now for over 20 years. I can't believe that. <laughs> so have you, you've had that for a long, long time. Um, we're still learning. So, you know, keep learning and be open to learning. Yeah. So you definitely need to find those ways that you can learn. So it's continuing to find a mentor. We always say supervision doesn't end at the exam. You need to continue to get yourself that supervision and work with people and under people who will continue to mentor you and train you and just be good people to work with. Because I think none of us can really work in a silo. And very often people enter the field and are promoted to director type positions. And they are then that person in the company who everyone's going to for advice and they get to make all the decisions, which is really nice, but you don't really always have that experience to back you up on it. So taking a position first where you have people to rely on, even if it's just people who you can bounce ideas off of, you can still have a director type position and have people who you can ask questions to, um, who can help shape you into the next phase of your career. 
I'm going to really be biased here and say, get a how-to ABA membership. (laughs) I I mean, the reason I say that is we have monthly mentorship meetings. So there's lots of people who join and we all bounce ideas off of each other. And I think that's really super awesome. Um, There's also a ton of downloadable material on our site. And oftentimes as a new BCBA or even a new autism ABA professional, you know, you're asked to write programs and you're probably not fluent on it right from the beginning. So it takes you a long time to do it. So, you know, maybe your boss is saying, hey, you know, just write up this program description and something that may take your boss 20 minutes to to do might take you four hours to do at the beginning because you're not fluent. How to ABA Mm -hmm. has all those. You could look like a rock star. Yeah, I actually heard from someone recently who I worked with for um, a couple years and, you know, she reached out and said, you know, I finally checked out your website and her response was, I feel like every new BCBA should know about it. And it was really, you know, exactly why we created it, because this is like we said at the beginning of your journey. And if we could help support you on your journey, um, then that's what we want to do is just share and collaborate and be a supportive resource. Another thing they don't typically tell you is about CEUs. And, you know, you get your piece of paper and you have to get these things called CEUs or continuing education credits, continuing education units. And they don't always tell you how many and they don't tell you what the due date is. You're just supposed to know that. And I remember like my first couple of years with my piece of paper and then all of a sudden my credentials were due in December. All of a sudden I'm like, I have to get all these CEUs. What? Um, Luckily, I had a couple of conferences coming up that I was signed up for and everything was fine. But they don't always tell you that. So right from the beginning, make a plan on how you're going to get those CEUs. Again, how to ABA has asynchronous CEUs. And how you're going to track them, because you need to know when your membership is up for renewal. You need to know where you're saving your certificates. You need to be uploading them to your portal. Um, so those are all really important for you to plan. You can't just wait until, you know, three years from now when you need to renew and you're kind of scrambling to find your certificates because we won't email them all to you. Um, and the other thing is like what they make, the board makes a lot of updates to these types of things, how you can get CEUs, the two-year renewal versus the three-year renewal. You need to read the emails from the board when they send out an email and there's an update to how they're changing the task list or things which happen kind of often because we're still a new field. Um, make sure that you're on top of that because now that you're graduating from knowing and understanding supervision, you now need to know and understand everything about being a behavior analyst and not a supervisee. So whether you're becoming a supervisor or you're supervising RBTs or BCBA candidates, or even just for your own membership renewals, um, you really need to be on top of the board and the most current updates, task list, ethics code, um, really be fluent in that. And don't let that scare you. It's not that difficult. Um, again, she said, it's hard. I do. I find it hard. There's a BACB podcast. Yeah, it's challenging. And, it's it's nice. um, and, you know, grab a mentor, right? So again, that mentor, you know, can help you and you can all do it together. I'm really lucky because, you know, Sharon and I have each other that we can bounce ideas off of or say, hey, did you see that email? And did you understand that email? Or did you hear that podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, so find a Shira. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but also know what you're good at and what you like doing. I think sometimes we get into roles where we're not really clear about what the roles are or what the parts of the role that we like or what we don't like. And I think as you grow into it and as you're accepting your first position as a BCBA, uh, understanding what your strengths are and what you enjoy doing and what you don't like doing and what you'd like more experience in and having that self-awareness to to know what you're good at really is, is an important part of this because we're trained in a lot 
um, in, in a very broad way in a lot of areas. But then once you start working, you're going to get a lot more in depth into whether it's autism or, or you know, other areas of the field. Um, just know that you want to do that before you get into it. At the, you know, on the flip side of the coin, though, make sure that you're open to new experiences. So absolutely know what you like and know what you don't like. Um, but be open. If someone says, hey, have you tried this or would you like to try this? You know, try and say yes to a few of those things, even though they may be outside of your comfort zone, as long as you have a mentor to help you through that. Um, you know, I recently actually just took on um, a job at a group home and I said, you know, I don't really want to work with adults. I really like the little kids. My favorite is that early, early intervention. And uh, I did it as a, you know, a favor to, you know, the owner. I knew the owner and a few people were going on mat leave and he was stuck. And I said, listen, I'll help you out for a few months. No problem. I have had experience in group homes before. Didn't love it. And that actually, I say it was a few months ago. It was a year and a half ago. I stayed. I love it. It is so fun. And it's one of the most favorite parts of my week right now is consulting to that organization. So if I wasn't open to that new opportunity, that would have cut off a big part of my life. So making sure that you're open to those suggestions as well. And another thing I would say is stay grounded. One of our you know things that we talk about a lot here is not using technical terminology, speaking to people as, you know, the human beings that they are um, and not just cases or clients or, you know, this mom or that dad, but really getting to know the people that you work with, the clients and the families that you work with and letting them know and relating to them as, you know, human to human, not as, you know, client to professional or um, ABA practitioner to teacher and trying to get to know people as people. Um, this comes along with really relating to parents and taking their values and goals into consideration when you're talking to them. Um, I always give this example of, you know, when I went to meet a new parent who in the end, I didn't even really help. I couldn't, I couldn't get that involved with the case. Uh, but I said, I'm willing to meet you and, and see if I can help. And we had an initial meeting and I met the child and I met the parents and we sat down and, you know, we spoke for about an hour. And then at the end, I was like, you know, I, I don't think I can really help you. And they said, you know, you didn't really help. It's fine. But um, you were the first BCBA we met. And we've been through many BCBAs who sat and listened and what didn't have a computer open. And so I think just understanding that as BCBAs, we're more than just our caseload and our data sheets and our programs, but we're really getting involved in people's lives. And we have to take that very seriously. And one thing to help you with that is just really being genuine. And I know there's a lot to take in when you're a new BCBA, but be yourself, stay true to yourself. You know, yes, we need to incorporate, you know, other people's values and, you know, all of that type of thing, but make sure that you are sensitive. And if you're sensitive and if you're genuine, People will understand that, you know, you can walk in and be like, hi, I'm, I'm a BCBA and I'm here to blah, 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 and here's my computer and we're going to do this and, blah, 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 and here's my spiel. Bye. Or you can be open and you can say, hi, I'm Shana. This is who I am. And you know, what are your goals? And I really listen. And if you're going to compliment, really be genuine about that. And if you really have feedback, be genuine, be sensitive, be ethical, um, have empathy, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what your limits are, you know, it's okay to say no. I think as a newly minted BCBA, we want to be able to like help everyone and save the world and not think we can do it all. And you need to know your limits, you know, time-wise and mentally and emotionally. And you also need to know your limits about what you're not yet trained in, like what's outside of your scope of competence. Um, so don't take on cases that you're not as confident in. Don't take on more than you can handle. Um, you can still push yourself. I think at the beginning, it's going to be hard. It's going to take you a lot longer to get things done. So if you have, you know, 10 clients as a new BCBA, 
that's going to take a lot longer than, you know, a seasoned BCBA who has 10 clients. It's a very different type of workload, but it's the same case number. So keeping that in consideration that you may need more time to get things done, um, that you have to put your priorities in place. So like, what is the, your work-life balance going to look like? Um, and what are you really comfortable with taking on as a new BCBA? Absolutely. And as a new BCBA, you know, don't expect to be clinical director right away. Like Shira said, you know, it may take you a little bit longer to do certain things in a seasoned BCBA. Um, you may know a lot already. Um, you may have been and had experience, you know, long before you had that piece of paper. Um, but just don't expect to jump to that clinical directorship position right away. Mm-hmm. And one of my other, you know, maybe personal pet peeves with this is, you know, we put um, so much training and investment into supervisees and people that we brought on and started as ABA therapists. And it, it sometimes can feel really hard when they then pass the exam and are just see ya, like good riddance, I'm leaving, I'm going to take everything you taught me and I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, And so I think our message is don't abandon the people who helped you get where you are and not just for those people, but for you, I think there's a lot of value in continuing to grow with the people that know you and know your strengths. Um, I'm not saying forever, but at least, you know, not the week after you pass your exam, it's not, not a reason to, you know, kind of leave the people that helped you get there. So think about how you can give back to either the organization you work for, the people that have trained you and supervised you, maybe take on one supervisee from that organization. And once they're done, you know, then you've kind of given back. But um, it, it should be, it should, it shouldn't feel like you're abandoning them once you pass the exam. It's a big field out there, but it's a small field and people, you know, know each other, especially if you're living in the same city, et cetera. So, you know, making sure that again, going back to being genuine and making sure that you are, you know, if you have to leave a position, you know, in a couple of weeks, just make sure that you're kind about it too. Um, but with that being said, I mean, writing professional goals. We write goals for our clients all the time. And, you know, I sometimes think about goals for myself when I'm driving, but then as soon as I get out of the car, they're gone or, you know, I'm lying in bed at night thinking, oh, I really should do this or I really should do this. But then I go to sleep and the goals are gone. Write things down. So not only for other people, but do things for yourself, write some of your professional goals. Okay. Now that I'm a BCBA, what do I want to get out of this piece of paper? What do I want to do? And some of those things can be long-term goals, like 10 years from now, I want to do this or three years from now, I want to do this, um, but also then those short-term goals. And lucky for all of you, we have a CEU on that um, in terms of writing goals and planning. So it's um, synchronous and then it's going to be offered asynchronous. So it will be in our membership in terms of how to write goals for yourself as well. And then after you write those goals, figure out what your next steps are going to be, right? So, you know, I've written these goals. How do I get there? What do I need to do to put in place um, in order to accomplish these goals? So in summary, it's not as much about the piece of paper that you get when you pass that exam as it is the journey that you're on and the experiences that you get. And it is going to be what you make of it and the trainings that you seek out and the mentors and the the way that you shape your own career once you've had the exam. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.